Good advice there. I think I could end the sermon right there at that. Welcome all of you who are watching us online at thrivechurch.com this morning. My name is Pastor Sheldon. Again, just so glad you guys are connecting with us. You saw the, uh, the video before. We have a lot that is coming up here at Thrive Church, and that is our call for help. We are calling out for help. Uh, in particular, I, we could really use your help today. So today, uh, we, we, next Saturday, we have an event called Taste and See, and a really exciting event, but we need to clear out this room of all of the chairs. So at the end of the service, if you would be willing to help us uh, to do this real quick, uh, you could stay after and help us move these chairs into the gymnasium and get some tables set up here. We would greatly appreciate that. So just come to the front at the end of the service. Just walk over here, and uh, there'll be somebody who gives you some direction on how to do that. Also, I'm in need of some help on Wednesday at about 11.30 at the Weston YMCA, and uh, we have been asked to help the Teen Challenge group from Green Bay. Uh, they have just been blessed with a whole bunch of beds for their facility, and we've just been asked if I could just get some people to help us load that truck. It won't be take that long, maybe an hour at the most. Uh, if you would be willing to help, just come talk to me at the end of the service. Let's get right into the message today. We're in a sermon series called Ever After, and that's what we love about fairy tales. We love stories that have ever after endings, right? That's, the, that's why we like to watch them. Like, oh, that was such a good movie. I love that. Well, sometimes we know that movies are not always the reality, that some of the relationships that are closest to us, they don't always have ever after endings. Sometimes they have messy endings. Sometimes there are messy breakups. There are messy divorces. And some of you are here today and you just feel messed up inside because you went through one of those messy endings. And so in this series, what I, what I want to talk about is some of these topics that I think that can help us to avoid these messy ever after relationships. So today, we've been talking about a couple things. First of all, we've talked about having a right foundation. Remember that? When we talked about having well, the difference it makes when we, do, when we put first things first. When we have, number one, we establish relationship with God, and then we relationship with others, our spouse. Uh, we, we just keep things in order. And then last week, we talked about the topic of respect. And we talked about if you want to have respect, you must first be a person who gives respect. And today, I want to talk about looking to avoid relational regrets. That's like I was talking about here, those messy endings. How, what, what if we could just, what if we just approached our relationships a little bit differently so that we did not have relational regrets? What are some relational regrets people maybe have? Maybe you're here today and, and you got engaged in a relationship and things happen real quick. Maybe you got into a relationship and all of a sudden the relationship got real toxic. Maybe there was an unplanned pregnancy. Maybe there was a relationship and somebody cheated on you. Maybe you got into a relationship and all of a sudden you discovered somebody had an addiction to pornography. 
Another relational regret is a divorce that you swore would never happen. That happens to other people, but not to me. And I think a big reason for relational regrets, that's what I want to talk about today. I think a big reason for that is I think people sometimes, well, oftentimes they go into autopilot mode. You ever been in autopilot mode in your relationship? And it's easy for that to happen because you're just, you're so busy I mean, life can get really busy and you get really busy with your work and things that are happening in your family, even, even with your kids. I mean, you're just one thing after the other and you just kind of, you get distracted. And then all of a sudden, you, you're so distracted, you're so in this rut of being distracted, you begin to forget about the main thing, your relationship with God and your relationship with each other. And after a while, you wake up one day and you find yourself just going through the motions, and your heart is far from it. You know, I hear a lot of people who who said these statements to me, I didn't go looking for this to happen. I didn't go looking for this to happen. It just happened. I never saw this coming. In fact, I had a, a friend who years ago, I had the opportunity to help do his wedding. And then years later, found himself in a a relational regret and a divorce was happening. And he wanted to write me a letter because he knew that he and I were close friends, accountability partners, and he wanted wanted to just share. He He wanted me to hear it from him. And one of these things that he said in this letter is this, I thought I would never see the day. You know, I think we have relational regrets, I think they develop when, when we're not looking, when we're not looking. I want to talk to you today, I think one of the most tragic stories in the Bible, and it's found in 2 Samuel 11 and 12. And what this, this story is, is about this man, this king, and his name is King David. King David. And King David found himself in this relational regret when he had an adulterous affair with this woman named Bathsheba. Let me talk to you about it. First of all, understand that the Bible says that King David was a man after God's own heart. There's no other Bible character that, that refers to a person like that. A man after God's own heart. Man, there's a man who's, who really is tight with God and understands the heart of God. And he was the king of Israel. God had appointed him in that position. And he was responsible for not only leading his kingdom, but he was responsible for leading his, his army out into battle. However, everybody say however. However, however one day, one day when, when he was supposed to be out leading his army, leading his troops, David just decided to take a break. You know, he's been so busy lately, you know, keeping up with the kingdom, keeping up with his army, that he decided one day that he was going to send one of his other leaders off to battle, and he was just going to take it easy. And one day it says that he was looking out over his balcony, just looking out all over his, his kingdom, that, you know, and maybe having a prideful look, look what I have established here Man, this is really good. And all of a sudden, he notices a woman. And the Bible says that she is a beautiful woman, and, and she is, she's bathing. And, and because he's a godly man, 
I, I believe in my heart that there's warning signs that he's hearing. Warning, danger, danger. Remember that show, Will Robinson? Danger, Will Robinson. I, I believe the alarms are going off. But the Bible says that he, he continued to look. And then, and then because he's king, he's just, he, he would just, you know, he wants to know people in his kingdom. You know, I, I, I just, you know, I want to have, you know, I want to connect with people. And, and so he inquires about that, that young lady who, you know, I just, I just wanted to meet her. She just seems like an interesting person. You know, you know what I'm saying? And so he, he inquires of her, and, and, and it's responded to him, um, oh, King David, um, that is Bathsheba, and she is married to Uriah, one of your leaders, probably one of your friends. So right there, it should be a, ah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, Lord, help me right now. Oh, Lord, cleanse my mind. Yeah, right, right. But it didn't happen that way. Again, we're talking about relational regrets. And so he, he said, yes, I would still like to meet with her. And so she comes into his palace, and they sleep together. Duh. Right? That, that, that's what they were doing. And, and so later on, she sends notice that she's pregnant, and it's not with her husband, that the child is from, from David. And David knows that this is unacceptable as the king, that this is... Yeah, this is not, this is, does not look good. And so he needs to cover this up. And so he comes up with this plan. And the plan is, I'm gonna bring Uriah back out of battle. And I'm gonna have him meet with me. And, uh, you know, like, I'm just gonna reward him. He's like, man, you're doing a great job. And maybe put a ribbon on him, a, a medal. And say, hey, you know what? You, you take the rest of the week off and you go, you go be with your wife. You know, just, I'm gonna cover it up. You just go be with your wife. And so, when it's discovered that she's pregnant, everybody will think, oh, well, that was, that's Uriah, okay? But Uriah is also a godly man, and he's a loyal man. He's loyal to his king, and in his heart, as the Bible says that I can't do this. I can't come home and rest and relax and spend time with my family when all of my friends are off in battle, and so he just keeps himself away from his home, and King David recognizes this. And so King David said, hey, get Uriah back in here. And he tries to get Uriah drunk. I'm going to get him drunk. But even in Uriah's drunkenness, he still refuses to go home. He still sticks to his guns. And now David comes up with plan C. So Uriah, this is what I want you to do. I'm going to give you this message, and I want you to give this to the leader of the troops and in this message, a sealed document, he hands it off and Uriah walks away and the commander reads that he is supposed to send, put Uriah out in the front of the, of the battle and I'm supposed to lead him up to the gates and then everybody, you back off and let Uriah seal his doom. And so that's what happens. Uriah is not killed in battle. Uriah is actually murdered by David. So, so now, David's next step is to marry Bathsheba so that nobody will think any differently. 
And now the cover-up is complete. However, everybody say however. However. However, there's this prophet named Nathan, and he's a nosy prophet. And he hears from God. And it's revealed to him what has happened here with David. And so he goes and he confronts him. He's busted. Have you ever been in that place before? When you're confronted by somebody who you respect and who you love, and you realize, ah, that regret, that, re- that regret has been exposed. Enter the land of regrets. Believe me, David did not wind up in the land of regrets on accident. Okay, can, I, can, we, can we just establish that? We, if we were here today and we understand what it means to, to live in the land of regrets, let's understand we didn't wind up there on accident. But David's plan, his pain and his regrets, they could have been avoided had he been looking. You know, I think a lot of our relational regrets happen because we're not looking. Today I want to talk to you about four looks that I notice here in the story of David that I think that if we just maybe looked differently, if you will, we could avoid relational regrets in our relationships. And the first relational look that I would talk about to you today is, is number one, I would challenge us to look where you're at. Look where you're at. 2 Samuel 11, 1, let's get back to the story here. It says that in the spring of the year when kings normally go out to war, David sent Joab and the Israelite army to fight the Ammonites. However, everybody say however, David stayed behind in Jerusalem. You see, David was in the danger zone of temptation. You see, that we, we get into the danger zone of temptation when we are in the wrong place. When we, are, when we find ourselves just wandering into the place that we know we're not supposed to be. We enter into the danger zone when we become negligent, when we, become, when we begin to neglect the things that we are responsible for, responsible for our home, responsible for our integrity, responsible for our character. And David began to neglect this. We enter into the land of regrets when we're alone. When we, when we just, ah, I can do this by myself. You know, I, I was talking to somebody this week and, and I was saying, hey, I just want you to know you need the church. You need the church. But not only do you need the church, but the church needs you. You see, we need each other because when, when we do faith alone, a lot of times we end up in the land of regrets. It's in moments like these that we need to Look around. I would ask you this morning. Let me ask you a few questions. Let me ask you, where are you? Where are you this morning? Are you in places, are you going to places that would encourage or entice temptation and bring about regrets? Let me, let me give you for an example. If your temptation is alcohol, okay? There's some people who are here today, and that's a, that's a real stronghold in their life. Are you going to places where alcohol is encouraged? If your temptation is food, are you purposely feeling like you need more gas and showing up at Quick Trip and going through the gauntlet that I often go through? 
If your temptation is depression, are you finding yourself, are you putting yourself in places that celebrate victimhood? If your temptation is lust, do you find yourself in a place that you wouldn't want your spouse or your significant to know about? Let me ask this. If, if, if your history, if the history of your computer or your phone was displayed on the screen today, would you turn a different shade of red? Let me ask you, where are you this morning? Where are you in your journey with God? Let me ask you this question. What are you doing? What are you doing? Are you neglecting your responsibilities in the name of taking it easy? Are you ignoring the warning signs? Are you on autopilot and not really paying attention? Where, what are you doing? Let me ask you this question. Who are you with? Who are you with? Who are you doing life with? What impact are these people having on your most significant relationships because the reality, this is the reality. We tell our kids this. We have been told this by our parents. The reality is you become like the person that you're with, right? You become just like them. You pick up their habits. You do what they do. You, you become like that person. You, you know, studies have actually shown this to be true, that people, the people that you spend the most time with have the most influence on your life. Did you realize that? The reality is there's two types of people in our life that we're spending time with. There are the people who are positive. Thank God for the positive people in your life. These are the people who really love you. I hope right now your, your visions, faces are going through your mind right now. People who really love you and inspire you to want to become a better person. Who is that person? Write that down in your notes. Write down some of those, the names of those people who inspire you to want to grow and become better. These are the positive people. Proverbs says that as iron sharpens iron, so a friend sharpens a friend. Who are these people in your life who are sharpening you? I want you to know, I, we need to put ourselves in position for that to happen. I, I'm excited. To, I, I want you to know, I have two life groups that I attend on a consistent basis. I have a life group here with men in the church. We went through a, a great book called Experiencing God. We had open, healthy, life-giving, encouraging conversation. But I also meet once a month with a group of pastors in Stevens Point. And in that, in that life group, we encourage each other. We challenge each other. We love each other. So I ask you, who are you with? But we also know that there are negative people in our life. Negative people, these are the people who care only about themselves. Who are those people in your life? It's just, it's just consistent. They only care about themselves. And they encourage you to make destructive decisions right along with them. Who are those people? Like, hey, you know what? I had a, I had a roommate in college. I was studying to be a pastor. And, and, and I had a roommate, and he's like, Sheldon, you are so funny. You are just the funniest guy. He, he says, I would, you know, I would give anything to see you drunk. Like, whoa, 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 dude, why don't, why don't I just stay funny when I'm not drunk, okay? <laughs> why don't I just act like I'm drunk when I'm not drunk? I don't know, what are you saying? But he was just, began to encourage me, and I, I, I just began to back away. I began to notice that he wasn't in it for my good. He was in it for his good. Who are those people who encourage you to make destructive 
decisions to join with him. You see, Paul tells us in 1 Corinthians 15, 33, do not be misled. Listen to me. These people are, they're out there. They're in your life. Do not be misled. Bad company corrupts good character. So four places to look to avoid relational regrets. First of all, I would say look where you're at. Where are you this morning? And number two, I would say look out for danger. Look out for danger. I'll never forget this as a kid. You know, my dad driving a car, and he's just talking. He's looking out the window, and my mom says, look out! And it's a car freaking my dad. What? You almost hit that kid! I mean, you know what I'm talking about. How many of you, that was your ride into church today? (laughs) That was your church. Look out! Look out! 2 Samuel 11, 23. Late one afternoon, after his midday rest, David got out of bed and was walking on the roof of the palace. As he looked out over the city, he noticed a woman of unusual beauty. Look out! He sent someone to find out who she was. Look out! He was told she's Bathsheba, the daughter of Eliam, and the wife of Uriah. Look out! Look out. He heard the warning signs. The warning signs are there. He knew that he was in a dangerous situation. This was more than just a cultural issue. This was a moral issue. This is like, hey, this is, not, this is between God and I. David saw the danger when it was pointed out that, that she's a married woman. He saw the danger. He was getting the messages in his heart Yet the more David looked, the more David desired. You see, have you ever noticed that how our temptations always start with a look? You ever noticed? Just with with a look. Adam and Eve. Remember how it started with them? The The birth of all of sin started with a look. It says, they looked at the fruit and they saw that it looked pleasing to the eye. Do you realize that five, five, I talked about this the other week, the different idea here, 10 commandments, five of them deal with the issue of what you're looking at. Did you realize that? I'll let you do that homework assignment on your own. Five of the 10 commandments deal with what you're looking at. Talking about looking how looking can destroy somebody. I, I read this article a while ago. This is from the Daily, dailymail.com newspaper in England. This must have been a while ago. There was a 50-year-old man in England who had a magazine porn collection of over, his magazines weighed approximately six tons. The man had not been seen for six months and was discovered in his apartment buried under his magazines. He had died because one of the magazine piles had collapsed on him. (laughs) Someone once said, our eyes are the window to our soul. Jesus tells us this in Matthew 6.23. Jesus tells us whatever we're looking at has power in our lives. 
What we're looking at has the power in our lives. He says, your eye is like a lamp that provides light for your body. When your eye is healthy, when you are looking at healthy things, your whole body is filled with light. Are you catching what Jesus is saying here? What you're looking at has power in your life. And if you're looking, if you're focused on things that are healthy and life-giving and Christ-centered, it brings life to your, to your life, okay? He says, uh, but when your eye is unhealthy, when you are focusing in on things of this world that are unhealthy, that are toxic, that are filled with temptation, your whole body begins to be filled with darkness. So you will just wonder, why are my thoughts always so negative all the time? Why do I struggle with this lust issue? I'm always just constantly thinking about lust and things that are impure. Why am I struggling? And I ask you the question, what are you looking at? What are you, what are you focused on? Because what you're looking at can e either bring health or death to your soul. So man, I'm gonna talk to you. Man, what are you looking at? Man, man are, are you looking at... Are you, are you looking at the perfect job position at your work? Is that what you're focused on? You're looking, man, are you, are you looking for the perfect salary? Are you looking for that perfect thing that is in your neighbor's garage? Man, if I just had that, if I just had that. Or man, are you looking at that perfect woman who's not even real on your computer or on your iPhone? You know, there's nothing in this world, man, that, that creates more relational regrets than porn, pornography. You know, studies have shown that porn use increases marital infidelity by more than 300%. It increases. So if you're like, hey, you know what would be awesome for me to just cheat on my spouse and get a divorce? And then I encourage you to get, get involved in porn. 56% of American divorces involve one party having an obsessive interest in pornographic websites. Did you, did you hear that? 56% of divorces is because one person is struggling with it. Ladies, let me talk to you. What are you looking at? Are you looking at that perfect couple? Oh. If I had a marriage like that, if I had a family like that, if I had a husband like that, if I had a boyfriend like that, my life would be complete. What, what about that, that perfect girl in the, in the office? Oh, she's just so perfect. If I look like her, oh, why can't I be more like her? Why didn't God make me beautiful like her and, and all of those features? Are, are you looking at that perfect guy at work. Oh my goodness. He says the nicest things to me. And he's so sweet. And he's so kind. Are you looking at the perfect romance that you read about in a book? Like, ah, oh, just why can't our, our life be like that movie? Why couldn't my husband or boyfriend treat me like that guy does in the movie? Are, are you looking at that perfect guy who's on the website? Do you realize this? Studies show that porn is not just an issue for men. According to the Marriage and Religious Institute, 30% of online porn consumers are women. 17% of these women are addicted. 
I have in your, your sermon notes today a, a QR code. And I just, there, there's, nothing, there's nothing that you're gonna see that, that is you know, out of line here. But I'd encourage you, I, I read this article in 2015, and it's a pastor named Peter Haas who just, it's like, you know what, here's, here's the things you don't see that you don't really about, or you don't really realize happens behind the scenes and the, the effects a porn has on your life. So I, I just encourage you, if you would check that out, you can check it out here with your phone. Or I, I just encourage all of us to really read the behind the scenes of what pornography does. I wanna encourage you. The power of our look has been an issue throughout the centuries. The story of the prophet Job. Remember the story of the prophet Job? Job was, uh, was all kinds of terrible things were happening in his life. Personal devastation, his family, possessions, wealth. He was stricken with disease. And there was, there, things were so bad that his wife even said that you should just curse God and die. And I think, I think Job realized, wait a second here. Things are going really bad, and I'm kind of in a danger zone here. If I'm not careful, I could fall into the land of regrets. And here's what Job said. He said, because, and this was maybe him just calling out what his temptation was. He said, you know what? You know what I've done here? I realize I'm kind of in a danger zone. I have now made a covenant with my eyes not to look with lust at a young woman. You see, that's oftentimes when we're hurting, when we're in pain, when we're grieving, that we begin to fall into that land of temptation. Four places to look to avoid relational regress. Look where you're at, look out for danger, and look where you're going. Look where you're going. Some of our biggest regrets happen when we're not paying attention to where we are going. Second Samuel eleven four. Then David sent messengers to get her, and when she came to the palace, they slept with he slept with her. Duh. You see, David was not paying attention. Somebody said this: Sin always does three things. Sin always takes you farther than you intended to go. It keeps you longer than you wanted to stay, and it always costs you more than you intended to pay. Proverbs chapter seven is so interesting. Proverbs chapter seven is written by King Solomon. King Solomon, the Bible refers to him as the wisest man who ever lived. King Solomon is the son of King David, whose mother is Bathsheba. Okay, everybody following the connection here? So you, you talk about a young man who grew up in a home who relational regrets all over the place. Um, mom, dad, how did you guys meet again? Um, and what happened? I mean, because there are all kinds of regrets, pain and regrets happen in David's life. So now fast forward, and now King Solomon is the king, and it says that he's sitting down with his sons, and he's having the talk with his sons. And he's saying, guys, listen to me, man. Sons, I love you. I love you, boys. Listen, you don't want to go through what I saw my parents go through, okay? You, you don't want that for your life. Sons, please listen to me. Let me talk to you. And this is what he says here in Proverbs chapter 7, 24 through 27. So listen to me, my sons, and pay attention to my words. 
Don't let your heart stray away towards her. He's talking about the, the, the lust and temptations down the road. Don't wander down her wayward path, for she has been the ruin of many. Many men have been her victims. Her house is the road to the grave. Her bedroom is the den of death. You know what he's saying to his boys? Boys, look where you're going. Pay attention. Pay attention to where you're going. I remember as a kid, I, re- I remember as a kid, and how many of you, you grew up and you were your father's remote control for the TV, <laughs> okay? <laughs> so, because we didn't have a clancy clicker, we got a boy. <laughs> boy, change the channel. And I just, I'll never forget those words. Dad is always kind of half asleep and we're just watching some show and like, whoa, that's getting a little risky, That's getting a little risky. And all of a sudden, my dad, change the channel. Change the channel. We're not watching that. Turn that. My dad would call it a television. Turn the television off. (laughs) Oh, that makes me miss my dad. Turn it off. There's some of you right now, you need to change the channel. Some of you right now, you need to change the channel. Change the channel with who you're with. Change the channel of of the direction that's going on in your life. You need to change the channel. Some of you, if you get anything out of this message right now, some of you, you need to change the channel. So we're talking about four places to look to avoid relational regrets. Look where you're at. Look out for danger. Number three, look where you're going. And number four, I think this is the most important part here, is because maybe we, we weren't so careful in looking out before. And now we find ourselves in the land of relational regrets. And I tell you, if you're here and you're in the land of relational regrets, I would tell you right now, look to Jesus. I'm telling you, that's, the, that's where you need to go right now. Know this about our God, that he is a God of redemption stories. He forgives He redeems and he restores. You know what that means? He takes all those broken pieces that we've created in life and he puts them all together and he makes them better than new. But we must first go to him. Look at what Samuel did here, David in 2 Samuel. It says, then when David was confronted and like all of a sudden that guilt is falling upon him and that guilt and that shame for what he has done, it said, then David confessed to Nathan, I have sinned against the Lord. In Psalm 51, one through 14, I'm not gonna read that for you for sake of time, but I encourage you to read it. Oh, it is a powerful, powerful verse. Look at this scripture right here. As he calls out to God, God, forgive me. God, I have sinned against you. God, create in me a clean heart. Restore a right spirit. You know what this is? This is a prayer of repentance. And I believe that there's times where we need to do that when we have walked down the land of regrets and we are just like, oh no, God, I've messed up so bad. That's the first place we need to look is to look to Jesus. Look to Jesus. 1 Corinthians 10, 13. The temptations in your life are no different from what others experience and God is faithful. He will not allow the temptation to be more than you can stand. When you are tempted, he will show you a way out so that you can endure. You see, when we are in that land of temptation, there is a way out. And Paul challenges us, listen, if you're there today and you're just like, oh man, I just keep sliding down this slippery slope, call to Jesus. 
Look to Jesus. Ask him, God, help me. God, help me. Don't, there's, there, this is not the time to be lone rangers. This is the time for you to call out to God. God, help me. And if you're here today and you feel overwhelmed, you feel overwhelmed by the guilt and your shame from relational regrets, I'm not gonna ask you to raise your hands because I think all, a lot of us can say, yeah, I got relational regrets. I'm telling you, you need to look to Jesus. John tells us this, if we will confess our sins to him, he's faithful and just, and he will forgive us. Because isn't that really what our soul needs the most? We need God's forgiveness, we need his grace, and he cleanses us from all wickedness. Let me just quickly here. There's two parts, two parts to what he's saying here. When we recognize we're in the land of regrets. And we, we believe in the redemption stories and we believe that God can redeem while all that is broken. It, it seems impossible. The first place to start is confession. God, I messed up. God, I'm sorry. Ah. Oh. I knew, I heard the warning. I heard the warning signs and I completely ignored you and now things are a real mess. Oh God, will you forgive me? When's the last time you had one of those conversations, those heart-to-heart -heart conversations with God? God, forgive me. Not only God, forgive me, but God, help me. Oh God, I'm in such a mess right now. And some of you, that's, that's you today. And, and you, you've been trying to help yourself, and the more you try to help yourself, the worse it gets. Will you just, can, can I just encourage you to humble yourself today and say, God, forgive me. God, will you help me? God, help me. If we will confess our sins to him, then part two, oh, when we do that, he forgives. We're forgiven. I don't care how bad it was, how horrible it was, God knows he's big enough. You're forgiven. And when we call out to him, he helps us, but you gotta allow him. Okay, you gotta make room. And, 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 and one of the first things he's gonna tell you is this. This is what, exactly what he's gonna tell you because he told me. I forgive you, I'm gonna help you, but you gotta turn around because the bridge is out. That, yeah, you know what that's called? It's called repentance. You're forgiven. I'm going to help you. But you got to turn around. You got to stop. You're looking at the wrong things. You got to start looking to me. Start looking to Jesus. You know, we're hearing a lot about revival on social media. Hearing about revival happening in all kinds of places. How many of you that sounds like really, really really, really, really cool. You know what revival is? It's like when God becomes the main thing. He becomes the main thing in a church, in a community, in an area code, in a state. Of it. it just becomes contagious. You know where revival starts? You know where revival starts? Personal 
revival always starts with personal repentance. Let me say that one more time. If you want revival, don't look to your church to give it to you. Personal revival happens through personal repentance. Through a, a group of people who just say, God, forgive me. I have wandered away from you. God, I believe that you can heal me from the inside out. God, change me. God, I need you. So can we do that right now? Can, can we just, whatever. I don't, I don't know what is happening in, in, in your relationships, okay? But I'm talking about your relationship with God right now. That's the number one relationship. Can we just call out to him? God, forgive me. I'm sorry. I'm sorry that I ignored you. I'm sorry I ignored your voice. God, my greatest need right now is your forgiveness and your grace. God, help me. Change my heart, oh God. Give me the strength to turn around. Oh God, help me. I just put my eyes on you right now. In Jesus' name. Oh God, in Jesus' name. I'm going to stop looking at those things, those things I've been chasing. God, forgive me, because those things never satisfy. Only Jesus satisfies. You are all that I need. I pray right now, God, that there would be personal revivals all around this room. People who are watching in the 715 area code, I pray that you would begin a revival in us. Lord, let it start in me. God, we need more of you and less of ourselves, oh God. Lord, start a revival today. In Jesus' name, I pray. In Jesus' name. And everyone said, Amen. Can we just all stand right now and just begin to worship him and just make that the prayer of your heart. God, start revival in me today. God, I repent before you. Start revival in me again. In Jesus' name I pray. In Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen. Can I just encourage you? Let's stop looking at these other things. What if we, and so we forget all about those other three and we just focus on pursuing Jesus this week. What would that look like? Amen.